Stuff done, cast, cast. I'm Dave, the mayor of New York City, concrete jungle, etc. Has a podcast. The only person listening to it is a dog walker in Queens named Dave. If you're new, I'd recommend listening from the beginning to my podcast. Don't listen to the mayor's, it's bad. There's an explanation of at least some of why this is happening in the first episode, though I mean. Why is anything happening? Of course, you should do what feels best for you. Today, I'm talking about the sixth episode of Mayor Eric Adams' podcast, The Get Stuff Done cast, titled S1E06, Former Model with a Heart of Gold Empowers NYC's Women in Need, released April 6, 2023. Quick trigger warning. The mayor's podcast never includes trigger warnings when he discusses difficult or painful subjects. But at one point, uh, they discuss, and therefore I discuss their discussion of intimate partner violence and child abuse and injury. I'll give a heads up when I'm about to talk about what they talked about. For this episode, the mayor is interviewing Deborah Koningsberger, a former fashion model who's opened several boutiques around the city and who employs homeless and at-risk women in her clothing store, The Thrifty Hog, all of which the producers of the podcast are kind enough to finally include in the show notes, though of course they don't include links, and don't you fucking dare ask about transcripts. The mayor tells us one of his trademark vague stories that he met this person on the street, quote, one Sunday, was moved by their story, happened to be near their place of business, and so he went in and bought a tie. He asks her her story, noting that she's black, has a German last name, and was born in Jamaica. Quote, You're more than just a thrift shop, he says to a human person. She says her parents did the typical immigrant story, and then, yep, it's the typical immigrant story we've heard a couple times here, It's a fine story. You know, there's a reason that it keeps getting told. I'm perfectly happy to hear it. But I'm just going to note that the entire time this has been happening, the mayor has been literally telling refugees not to come here and calling New York a hellhole because he feels too many of them are here now. Deborah paints her childhood in broad strokes and says that they grew up in the Bronx and service was important, but she doesn't get particularly specific aside from the fact that her dad would dig out Snowden motorists when he came upon them. She went to NYU, started modeling, majored in foreign languages because she wanted to be a translator. Immediately after she says this, the mayor asks her what she majored in. She went into modeling and learned a lot about fashion, worked in retail. Quote, I kept moving around, she says. Were they homeowners, the mayor asks, very weirdly out of nowhere about her parents. Apparently so. Good for them. Adams talks about how his mom drilled into him that he needed to own his own home. Look, man, I rent. I lead a pretty comfortable upper-middle-class life. I popped open Zillow, and the cheapest one-bedroom apartment in my neighborhood is $300,000. 
If you buy that on a 30-year mortgage with all taxes and fees, you're looking at roughly $3,000 a month, which is not only more than my current rent, but just facially insane. The mayor of New York, a landlord who has been repeatedly fined for the rat situation in the brownstone that he owns, must know how nuts it is to be implying that home ownership is a way to solve a problem most people living here have. Unless you're already wealthy, or at least unless you can guarantee your ability to pay the mortgage for 30 years, buying a house is like going to college. A large number of pe the people who do it wind up chained to debt. Quote, I had a lovely childhood. I studied abroad, Deborah tells us. And there's something that's not adding up here because Deborah is presenting this as the immigrant story, which doesn't need to be miserable by any means. And being poor isn't inherently virtuous. It's just that she keeps talking about her parents as if they'd been poor and not talking about how they afforded NYU and sending her to Paris. So the next thing that happens is she asks her mom for money to open her own store. Her mom offers her about 30k against the value of her home. Deborah calls her up until now never mentioned friend John and says she can only get 30k and they need 300. John says, "Don't worry about it." and builds her a store. Sure. Completely normal shit. Everyone has someone they can reach out to for a storefront in Chelsea. Oh, Apparently, he was the managing agent for this building's retail space. Cool, 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 cool. And he didn't want rent initially? Well, that's just peachy. Look, very nice people exist. Maybe this happened as presented. Best case, if it did, know a guy who will give you a rent-free space in Chelsea isn't a particularly repeatable strategy for business success. And it's not a story that I, a small business owner myself, find particularly inspiring. Deborah says that her secret to success came from modeling and therefore knowing how clothing should look on someone, and I can't help but note she just got done saying she didn't have to pay rent. Anyway, people respond to her sense of style, so suddenly she's making whirlwind tours of Europe to buy fashion and import it for her boutique. How nice! In 1994, she is inspired by a Stevie Wonder song, meets Bobby Brown at a resort in Florida, and finds out there's a shelter near her store. These things are talked about as if there's a connection between all of them, but it's not really explained. Also, she drops in that she was working with Ivana Trump at the time. I, I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of the story, and it just sort of keeps slipping away. She talks fast, jumps from subject to subject, and the mayor is a terrible interviewer. He can't shape the conversation or, or asks her questions designed to lead her in any particular direction. The mayor also almost never says, I didn't understand that. Could you clarify? Deborah says she, ma she raised money with fundraisers. Her fundraising efforts grow. She starts fundraising for many shelters. She started a charity for called Hearts of Gold to handle all of this in a nonprofit, and she opened another standalone thrift, thrift store, the Thrifty Hog, to employ the homeless. It's now that I'm going to warn you that for the next couple minutes, I'm going to be talking about the things I gave the trigger warning for at the top of the show. Intimate partner violence, child endangerment, and childhood injury. The mayor asks for an inspiring anecdote about one of the things that might have happened to one of Deborah's employees. And she tells the story of a woman who I'll call L. Deborah gives more information than that, but I don't know how L would feel about it. 
uh, so I'll just call her L. L, while at work, finds out her one-year-old had an accident. He's in a coma. L's pregnant and has suffered abuse during the pregnancy. So Deborah says, quote, We didn't know what she was going to give birth to. I'm just the reporter here. Deborah's the one who said that. Those were her words. Here, I don't make a policy of playing clips from the show, but here. And get through this pregnancy and deliver a child. Mm. A pregnancy that she'd been abused during, so we didn't know what she was going to give birth to. Deborah assures us that she did stuff to help. Like, take Elle to the hospital. And now, and now because of that, Elle is happily married, living elsewhere, and has been through nursing school. And Deborah tells us Elle would be happy to tell us that the only reason Elle is anything is Deborah. It's unstated if Elle's kids are okay, and Adams does not ask. And that's more or less the interview. So what did we learn about the mayor here? Adams is often compared to Trump, and it's a comparison that has some merit, but I think it's a little oversimple and misses some important things about both of these goobers. But the one way in which there's some interesting overlap is this. Trump is said to prize loyalty to Trump, but if he likes you, he'll also defend you publicly to the hilt. And that's not because he's loyal to you, because at the same time he's doing that, he'll be busy stealing everything you own and making sure you take the fall for his crimes. It's because he likes you. Trump can't be wrong. He'll never admit it, so he'll just keep digging in on supporting you. Adams hears a person say one of the most casually horrible things I can possibly imagine them saying about a child violated by their parent, and he puts it on his podcast with no pushback or attention called to it. He doesn't have it removed in the edit. He doesn't give her an opportunity to say how much she cares about this kid or clarify her statement. And, and I don't need for this woman to be a monster. It's very possible that in a moment of extemporizing off the top of her head in a setting where she was nervous and not fully in command of her own voice, she spoke insensitively, but not because of any malice in her heart. I've done that, certainly. I, I'm sure most people have, but we just don't know because this is the only thing we have to weigh her with. Well, this and the fact that Eric Adams likes her. And for Eric Adams, that's enough. Adams doesn't have to explain anything else about this person. In his telling, they don't even know each other that well. He just happened upon her, dug her store's vibe, listened to her story, and decided she should be on his podcast. I'm relatively certain there's more backstory, but this is the only backstory he gives us. So his investment is limited. There's nothing wrong with being like, oh, my first impression was that you weren't heartlessly cruel, but I guess that was incorrect. Or, uh, you know, probably better way to go here. My first impression was your was of your humanity, and, and, it, and it just doesn't really come through in what you just said, so I'd like you, you know, to have the chance to clarify. But Adams likes her, and like Trump, he's not wrong. Never wrong. His vibe dart is perfect. He knows who's good and who's a hater. The fact that she's there at all is all the evidence you should need it, listener. Well, now that I think of it, actually, like, he did ask her what she majored in right after she said what she majored in, so he may just not have been listening at all. Okay, so so a few things I want to wrap up with here. I cannot assess the work Deborah does or the de- uh, the 
impact it has on the lives of homeless New Yorkers. I, I don't have the resources. I did do, to the extent that I can, with the resources and time I do have, a little research. Deborah's Clothing Boutique, Noire Blanc, has a nice website. Her vintage store, The Thrifty Hog, does as well. Hearts of Gold also has a website. Their gala will be hosted by Soledad O'Brien. Tickets start at $500. Donate NYC, which is a uh, city government effort through the Department of Sanitation, listed the Thrifty Hog as a partner location where New Yorkers could donate their used clothing as recently as 2021, but it does not currently list them on their partner page. And Charity Navigator gives Hearts of Gold Incorporated two out of four stars or a 64% rating. They do not currently assess the impact the charity has had. They note that the charity doesn't appear to have an independent board, and Charity Navigator has no financial statements for them. No conflict of interest policy, whistleblower policy, document retention policy is available. These are some of the things that Hearts of Gold is downgraded for. For all I know, the problem isn't on their end, but a similar charity in NYC that has a similar mission is Housing Works, which, among the extensive work it does in advocacy and provision of health care for the homeless and folks living with HIV-AIDS, it operates several thrift stores in the city staffed by folks they support. The CN rating is 4 out of 4 stars and 90%. But, you object, Soledad O'Brien is doing their fundraiser. Listen, I worked for about five years in the education department of one of the most well-known nonprofit entities in this godforsaken city, and their CN rating is 92%. Our board didn't know what we did, just that it had something to do with teaching kids. If our board didn't know, the celebrity speakers at our gala certainly had no damn idea. One, one year, this is absolutely true, the keynote speech given by an extremely famous person who might have had a few before taking the stage, opened with, what the hell is this a fundraiser for? Anyway, the mayor likes telling stories. He likes hearing stories. The first thing he often asks his guest is a version of, tell me your story. It's vague, and most people don't do very well with it, but that's what the mayor is going for. Lincoln famously loved telling stories as well. Um, stories and jokes and just sort of hanging out and chatting. Lincoln also wielded the political power he gained, which is, I guess, the difference between someone they carve into stone and a bullshitter. The mayor also seems to hang out with people who are a little flexible in their ethics, while we're here, let's just, you know, make a quick little list, shall we? Philip Banks III is the current deputy mayor for public safety. It's been reported that he's the reason the first female police commissioner of the NYPD resigned. Adams appears to have installed Banks to act as a shadow commissioner to make sure the NYPD is doing what he demands. This would normally be the sort of behind-the-scenes sausage-making that no one particularly pays attention to, except that in 2014, Banks resigned from the police department after 27 years on the force after being named as an unindicted co-conspirator in a bribery scandal for which the FBI investigated the presence of $300,000 in his bank account that appeared to have no reason to be there. Banks's brother... 
David Banks is the school's chancellor. And while I'm not aware of any indication that David Banks is dirty, it's a little weird. Eric Ulrich was appointed senior advisor to the mayor and then commissioner of the NYC Department of Buildings. He resigned after being served a search warrant and a little less than a year later was arrested and charged with 16 felonies that paint a picture of one of the most corrupt individuals imaginable. Ingrid Lewis Martin is chief advisor to the mayor, and in that capacity, she has given an interview where she called on the federal government to close the borders, and after a Republican city council member bought a gun to a protest with the intention of intimidating the leftist protesters, an act for which the council member was arrested, Lewis Martin had a sit-down tea with the council member who tweeted a photo of herself with Lewis Martin with the statement, quote, we have true friends in this administration. Timothy Pearson is a public safety advisor, with, which is a six-figure salary. It's unclear to me if this is still the case, but for a time after being hired, he was still drawing a salary from the casino where he was formerly head of security and drawing his NYPD pension. Recently, he made news for assaulting a couple of guards working at a migrant shelter when they barred him from entering when he refused to show his ID. He had those guards arrested. Ugh. There are also six people who have been charged with running a straw donor scheme for people with business interests before the city who were attempting to maximize their donations in exchange for political favors. Because the city matches small donations eight to one, if you own a business, you could, say, make small donations in every one of your employees' names and then pay them back. The total sum wouldn't have received the eight-to-one match if you donated it on your own, but because it's all small donors, every dollar becomes eight. And because you did it, and presumably the campaign knows it, you gain a commiserate level of influence. It's illegal, of course, and also there's no reason for anyone to orchestrate such a thing without telling the person they're attempting to buy influence from. Anyway... One of the people arrested in this particular case is a former NYPD commander who knew the mayor for decades. The mayor hasn't yet been in office for two years, and that's an awful lot of smoke for just two years' time. But, as the mayor noted, after the FBI raided the home of the 25-year-old he put in charge of his campaign's fundraising, quote, where there's smoke, there's not always fire. End quote. And frankly, the saying, where there's smoke, there's fire, is the saying, where there's smoke, there's fire, because where there's smoke, there actually is invariably fire. That's what smoke means. I've brought up the fact that this podcast has, one, no downloads, and two, nothing to recommend it content-wise, and the fact that this doesn't make sense. Most podcasts have no downloads because most podcasts aren't done by incredibly powerful, vain people. Most podcasts done by the vain and powerful are, in fact, pretty bad. But the powerful can get ready access to distribution networks. There's whole companies that do podcast distribution, and a hungry one would absolutely do the mayor of NYC's for a very reasonable price, if not free. That would still mean that more or less no one was listening, but the number of subscribers would be more in line with the vanity of the office holder. 
Additionally, the powerful make shitty content because it's safe. It's rare for a high-level affected official to be unguarded in their speech, but with the Mayor's podcast, it's very clear that there's no pre-interview or research or really anything at all that stops him from nodding along when his guest says something truly vile. I've struggled and continue to struggle with how to explain this, but I'll note that while I am by no means accusing anyone of anything at all, if money was being disappeared into a production services company that was actually just a guy someone powerful wanted to enrich for the reasons a powerful person might want to do that, the results might look something like this. I am, again, not saying it's the case. But I am also saying that I have tried to figure out what else might be the case. And the only other plausible explanation I've come up with is that the mayor is just incredibly weird. Considering it's the simpler of the two, it's probably that he's weird. Probably. All right. As always, before we go, here's what was going on with the mayor between the date the previous episode was released, March 22nd, 2023, and this one, April 6th, 2023. To do this, I lean heavily on the reporting of two fantastic New York City outlets, The City and Hellgate, both of which I support financially. I encourage you to do so as well. Links to their websites are in the show notes. He continued his advocacy for people to go back to the office, despite, you know, People with traditional office jobs actually not needing to work in an office for any reason at all. He ordered the third round of the budget cuts I've mentioned a few times here. This round was 4% across the board and including the NYPD, which is interesting. And no one seems to have noticed that the guy who ran on the issue of making sure that police funding is increased is in fact cutting funding to the police. And he met with the leaders of the extremely strange cult that owns a bunch of South Williamsburg and said that the city shouldn't be in the business of enforcing basic standards of education for the schools the cult runs. If you liked this or thought it was interesting and want to hear more, the best way to make sure you do so is to hit subscribe on whatever app you're using to hear my voice right now. The best way to let other people know about this podcast is to tell a friend or an enemy about it. I refuse to believe that liking it, starring it, rating it, eh, does anything. Reviewing it will just take up moments of your life. You could be telling a friend or, I don't know, learning to do that uh, cool rock balancing thing that they do at the beach. Whatever it's called. Learning that. Transcripts of this show are available at stuffstuffcastcast.wixsite.com slash stufftranscripts. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at stuffstuffcastcast at gmail.com, and I'll talk to you next time.